This class is about what to do with all the produce, all the excess. So we're going to begin with just a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for uh, the blessings that we have received at this conference and for the opportunity to just rub shoulders and talk and network. Lord, now as we talk about what to do with the bounty that you give us, I pray that you would um, give me the words to say that would be clear um, and be a blessing to those who listen. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so my name is Pam Dysinger. I, John and I have run Bountiful Blessings Farm for 20 plus years. Um, we have five children that we've raised there. And when, before we started the farm, we always had a nice garden. And, you know, there's always that abundance. What do you do? And especially when we first started farming, I mean, the farm can produce just piles of produce. And I'm going to say the first thing that you have to recognize is that nothing is wasted, even if you throw it on the compost pile. It's not wasted. And so, you know, I had to learn early on not to kill myself to try to, to cover and to, to not have any waste. It's, it's just too much. So um, we're going to talk. I'm just going to give you some ideas, and it's going to be hopefully helpful. But I know all of you could probably give me some ideas that would be helpful to me. I'm not an authority. I d I'm going to even say that I don't love to cook. The Lord has taught me. I mean, I, I really like to be in the garden, but I spend a lot of time cooking because I cook for, you know, when we had all our kids home, that's family of five, and then we'd have interns. One summer I was cooking for 13 every single day. So I've done a lot of cooking. <laughs> so the first thing I want to encourage you with is efficiency. If you want to be using your produce, you need to have systems and efficiencies and this is this is just a simple thing this is our farm stand and we always talk about two minute two second improvements you know when you go to the kitchen think how can I have a two second improvement what can I be doing to improve so these were some improvements for us this year Caleb made this microgreen stand for himself so you know when you get to market you know exactly where the microgreens go there's no thinking, oh, where are we going to put them this week? No, everything has a place and everything is in its place. And so same thing goes in the kitchen. So you want to work smarter. You want to do the two-second improvement just to be thinking always about improving. Having a plan when it comes to um, the produce that you get from your garden, if you kind of know, okay, we're getting to squash season, you know, have a plan, have some recipes that work well for you. Um, and utilize your family. You know, sometimes uh, if we have, I'll just give bananas. We don't grow bananas, but we buy a lot of bananas because we use a lot of bananas for smoothies. So sometimes when I have a bunch of getting uh, ripe bananas, at the end of lunch, I'll just tell everybody, stay put bring out the case of bananas here's the knives here are the bags peel them and put them in the bags and i mean in 10 minutes it's done whereas if i had to do it by myself it would take a long time so you can do that in anything you know if you're going to be whatever you you can apply it we'll think of 
So here are some tools that I think are just really important. First, make sure that you have an abundance of bowls, knives, cutting boards, pots. You just don't want to be slowed down by not having the tools that you need. So here are tools that I have that I, I consider really important. I have a food processor. This is the one that I have. It's a 13 cup. It's a big one. You might not need 13 cups, but when I show you some of the other things, you'll see why I have it. It makes everything faster. A dicer. Um, this is my, I, I had, how many of you have a Vidalia onion chopper? Okay. Vivi, I mean, Lucia obviously loves it. I'm going to tell you, it has, it's a very poor design. I must have gone through four. Now, maybe it's because, but Lucia has boys too. I mean, my boys would be like, Kung! and it has these little feet on the bottom that would break the bottom of the, so this is um, Mueller, and I've had it for quite a while, and I really like it. It's a great chopper. Is there a it's a similar capacity. It the, oops, I'm going back, back, back. Sorry. I think it's M, it's M-U-L-L-E-R. M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Yeah, it's a, it's made in Austria. You can get it on Amazon. <laughs> so the other things are you need a canner. You, any, anybody who's going to have a big garden needs to have a way to, to preserve it. and can't. I'm going to say the only things that I can today are tomatoes from our garden. That's it. Because we grow year-round. And so we eat what's in season except tomatoes. <laughs> we eat a lot of tomatoes in, in the winter. Um, a dehydrator. Uh, you don't have to have a dehydrator but I use mine quite a lot. And then a strong blender, I have a Vitamix. What is that? This is an Excalibur. So it's, they're really good. I have two of them and they're not terribly expensive. The, the thing that I don't like is that the tray spacing here between trays is very little. So some things that I dehydrate, I can only put in four or five trays instead of nine. So, and a Vitamix or something similar. So, this isn't a canning class, but I'm going to give you a whirlwind canning class. This is how I can tomatoes. So, the first thing is I core them. I mean, if they're dirty, I wash them, but if they're not dirty, we grow all our tomatoes in a hoop house, so they come off the vine pretty clean. If they need to be washed, I wash them, but not necessarily. So then after I core them, and I'm just going to say this, you don't even have to core them. You can just put them in a food processor. You saw the food processor that I have. I just core them, I put them in the food processor, or before I had the food processor, I would do the chopper so that they would be, I do not take the skin off. Just leave the skin on. There's lots of good nutrition and fiber there. So I whiz them up in the food processor. I place them in a big pot to simmer and this, actually this year, I don't know if you do this, Lucia, but I, I added just the small amount of tomato paste. Like in a I have a 24-quart pot, and I put maybe two small things of tomato paste. I don't like how tomatoes always separate. They always look, I mean, they look so pretty. Look, at those are beautiful. 
but mine never looked like that. They were always tomatoes on top, water on the bottom. So this year, I know the Lord inspires every idea, every idea. So I had the thought that I should just try putting some tomato paste in it when I cooked it down. So I did that. I cooked it down with some tomato paste and guess what? No separation. It was wonderful, wonderful. So I, I added tomato paste. I sanitize my jars. I, I don't quote me on that. I'm, I use 20, I use a big stock pot, 24 quart, and I'm just going to say it was two or three cans. It doesn't really matter. It gives you a nicer, thicker sauce. Um, I sterilize my jars in the oven. That's just easy. You put them in an oven, 200 degrees. They need to be there for 10 minutes, but it doesn't matter if they're there for two hours. It, when I need them, I take them out. Um, Obviously, you want hot jars and hot. Okay, so you place your lids and your rings in, a, you know, you heat your lids and your rings, you heat your jars, you got your tomatoes cooking. When they're cooked down, you fill your jars, add one teaspoon of salt and one teaspoon of lemon juice. They say today that tomatoes aren't acidic enough, and so really the recommendation is to pressure can them. You don't have to do that. Add to make, add lemon juice and you can steam them just fine. And I, I steam them for 30 minutes. Now, I'm gonna go, well, I'm not gonna go back because I don't want, how many, did you take notice of the canner that I have? I meant to, I meant to point that out to you. It's a Victorio canner and it's a steam canner, but it also can be used as a stock pot. So it doubles for a stock pot or a steam canner, and the top has a dial on it. So it tells you exactly when to start processing, how, when to start counting it. Did you take note of that, or should I go back? Yeah, and it's, but having that, the first Victorio steam canner I had had a hole in the side, and you know, you watch the steam come out, and when it got six inches, then you start timing. Oh, that's terrible. I, I never, I, well, is it six inches? Is it, you know, maybe it's not strong enough, but now it's super easy. You can just look at the dial. It tells you exactly when to start timing and easy peasy. It is so simple. So there you have it. This, the, the simple, straightforward, I'm always looking for the shortcut. I'm the shortcut queen. But I don't think this is shortcutting anything as far as safety or any of that. Write down your questions if you would, and I'll. Just real quick, with the salt and lemon, are you uh, It doesn't matter. Okay. It, the question was if we, when we add the salt and lemon, do you stir? I mean, I don't think it's necessary. It's going to cook. It, it's. I don't do anything extra. <laughs> I yeah. I put the lids on, screw them on, put it in and process them. I mean, my mother-in-law only processed them for 20 minutes. So I don't think they even really need 30 minutes, but I usually do 30 just to be safe. So that's a whirlwind uh, canning lesson. So dehydrating. You really need a slicer or a chopper to make dehydrating efficient. And I... These pictures are not things I dehydrated, but I'm gonna tell you the things that I dehydrate. Zucchini. <laughs> I mean, when zucchini comes on, it's prolific, right? And what do you do with it? But it's so nice in the winter months 
if you have it chopped and dehydrate it dehydrates beautifully you know some things lose their color but not zucchini you've got that nice little green and you put it in a jar it's decorative and when you're making soup you just throw in a handful of that zucchini and it thickens up your soup same thing i use it in spaghetti sauce I sometimes I actually make spaghetti sauce in the summer but usually I mean usually I just make the spaghetti I mean I just make the sauce and then in the winter when I have more time then I make it into spaghetti sauce which is super easy if you do it the way I showed and add that tomato paste because it's already kind of thick and ready to go so all you do is you pull out those screens you place it on them and you dehydrate until it's thoroughly done. You know, I, I find the dehydrating a bit of a challenge because it's like, what's, how much is enough? Like, how much can you moist? Because you know, when you buy things that are dehydrated in the store, sometimes they're very soft. But I, I dehydrate them till they are crisp. So I'm sure more than I need. But you have to remember, too, that we live in Tennessee, and it is so, I mean, if I leave them in the dehydrator an hour after it turns off, they have already gained moisture back. We, it, it's just a very humid environment certain times of the year. So I would say if you get an Excalibur, it comes with a really nice cookbook, and it tells you pretty much how, how many hours things need to dehydrate but I just kind of do it by feel. Question? Okay, so, well, that's the last one. So, you store in jars. And, and we'll talk, with vegetables, it's not such a big deal, but with herbs, they must be in dark jars or you're just gonna lose all your color. Um, they can't be in the light. But for zucchini and onions, I, I do a lot of onions and a lot of zucchini. Um, so that's, all right, any, I'll take any questions on that before we go on. And dark jars are? I mean, that's just for herbs. For zucchini and for onions, you don't, and this, honestly, that looks like basil um, or spinach. Our basil doesn't look that green when we're done dehydrating it. What do you mean when you say dark jars? Well, so... I haven't done this, but I plan to do this, and I'll say it this afternoon in my herb class. Herbs should be stored in a dark jar, and the easiest way to do that is to get a jar and spray paint them. That'd just be so simple. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, they're just dark. And then I just put a name on the outside of what it is. But again, for, zucchini, for the vegetables, zucchinis, onions, if you dehydrated beets, or I don't think they need that. Good. Okay, so the, the comment is that if you, turn the, uh, if you turn the temperature on the dehydrator down, you can get a better quality of color. Also, and we dry a pile of kale greens, and they are so delicious. You can even monitor it. Okay, so she's also mentioning that kale greens dehydrate well. You can, you can make kale um, powder and put them in your green smoothies.
One more. Um, when you say that the, the herbs lose their color, does it also lose nutrition or is it just cosmetic? Uh, it's nutrition too. Okay, so next we're going to move on to, I, I am not, I am, I'm changing. In fact, one of, my, one of my boys was at the house recently and I was talking about um, recipes and menus and what, and he was like, Mom, you have changed. But I've always considered myself more a concept cook. And so I'm going to share with you concepts that I use. And I have the saying, I should have it like on the wall in my kitchen, stir what you got. That's always been my motto. When we were poor as church mice with not two nickels to rub together, I just, I didn't have so many times. I couldn't even, I could not even follow a recipe because I never had the ingredients in it. So that's kind of when I started coining that stir what you got, you know, okay, well, I don't have that. I don't have that. I don't have that. Okay. Well, Lord, what do I have and help me to stir it to make something good. And he is faithful. So I'm going to share with you some just ideas, concept cooking ideas that you can vary depending on what you have. Can you see what this is? Does anybody know? It's quinoa. I love quinoa. It's super nutritious and you can eat it hot. You can eat it cold. So this is a dish that I made recently. This is cold quinoa. And okay, so we had spinach in the garden. We had kale in the garden. I still had tomatoes left. I had herbs and I literally just made a fresh salad and I put a dressing on it. And I really should share with you my dressing. I, but I, I, <laughs> I don't have a slide for it, but remind me at the end, I'll tell you. I'll just tell you right now. How many of you have in your kitchen a, a salad dressing cruise that you got with a, like a, a dressing package? You know, where it has a line for oil and water and vinegar. Okay, so you'll have to write this one down. This is the Dysinger favorite salad dressing. So I put lemon juice to the oil mark. I mean, not to the oil mark, to the lemon mark. It's the first, the first mark is lemon. My kids didn't like so much lemon, so I would do it. You can customize it. Use a little bit more or less, depending on your taste. The next one is water. So you just do it just to the, to the marks on the jar. And then you add um, one teaspoon of salt. And you can use more. I often put my dressing right on my salad because it goes farther. When you're feeding a lot of people, they'll eat more salad. Like we literally will serve a bowl this big, a big bowl of salad. And if I, if I don't put the dressing on, they use all the dressing and they don't eat the salad. They don't eat the whole salad. But I can take that same bottle, I can put it on that whole big bowl of salad and it will wilt a little bit and all that salad will be eaten. I almost never have it left. So that's, that's so when you put it, um, so I do one teaspoon of salt, then one tablespoon of basil. It could be basil, it could be oregano, it could be Italian herbs, but one tablespoon of Italian herbs or some green. One tablespoon of onion powder. And that seems like a lot, but it just makes it delicious. And one tablespoon of yeast flakes. One tablespoon. So it's one teaspoon of salt, and then everything is a tablespoon. A tablespoon of basil, a tablespoon of onion, a tablespoon of yeast flakes. Simple, simple. We eat it on salad, but I also 
that was the dressing that went on this. And my person around my table that doesn't really care for salad said, I'd eat salad like this every day. Well, so what you do is you keep increasing the green part of it and decreasing the quinoa part of it so that you're using more and more greens and less quinoa. Because the, the point that what I'm trying to, to inspire you with is using an abundance of vegetables. Another thing that you can do in many of these concept ideas that I'm going to share with you is just throw in a can of cannellini white beans or navy beans or garbanzo beans or if you want them to be kidney beans and, and the darker you know color for accent, um, do that. But I, I do keep a certain number of um, cans of beans on hand. But here's another thing, if you have a pressure, pressure canner, can your own, it's all the better. I just don't, I don't have enough bandwidth to surround all of that. All right, so here's another quinoa. This is a hot, this is, this is um, <coughs> eating quinoa hot. So this was kind of the process. I sauteed onions and pea, um, green beans. This was obviously in late summer. And then when they were decently cooked, I added greens. These greens look like an assortment. It looks like a braising mix, which would have kale and tatsoi and all kinds of greens in it. So I sauteed it. And then I added the quinoa to it. And again, you can see in the picture here of the finished product, there's a lot more quinoa than there really needs to be. I always kind of feel like, oh, I've got all these greens, but then when I put them together, they just sort of disappear in the quinoa. But this is towards the end of our season and, you know, not as bountiful a supply. You know, sometimes of year, we eat a lot of rice and beans and a salad. That's the standard staple. But when we have, when we're in uh, the summer months and we have, we have the most abundance when we're in our farmer's market season. So, you know, we come back from market and we might have just a lot of things we didn't sell. Because the only way you're gonna sell a lot is to take a lot. You want your table to look bountiful until the end of market. And so that means, you know, we do come home with quite a bit. So that is quinoa. Here's another idea. Um, I'm trying to think. This was actually made by someone who visited me. And he called it ratatouille. Now, in my mind, ratatouille was always like a tomato sauce that had eggplant in it. So this was, this was a new, new kind of ratatouille to me. But the thing that I liked about it, I mean, you look at that. This was in the dead of summer. So that is layers of tomatoes, potatoes, yellow, um, yellow, yellow squash, summer squash, zucchini, leeks, onions, cabbage. I mean, it is just packed, packed with um, vegetables, like whatever you have. It is, and if you have a slicer, I think he sliced these by hand, but I would use a slicer and go for thinner slices myself. But, um, and then you just put on it a tomato sauce and you're good to go. Now, that one took a fair bit of time. You know, I'm not gonna, you know, 
that when you're cooking vegetables from the raw, it can be time consuming. You know, it's a lot of chopping. That's why, you know, we go back to, okay, make sure you have good knives. You know, I use in my kitchen Victorinox knives. They are inexpensive and so good. I mean, that's what we use on the farm. Um, and then one of my interns taught me about kiwi knives. Have you, any of you? They're, I was able to get them so inexpensively and they have a very thin blade. So the negative is that the tip almost always gets a little bent, but it is so, it, it's so easy to sharpen. I use a, I have a sharpener and so I can keep my knives nice and sharp. I prefer a sharp non-serrated knife, but you know, I, I use both. I use both. So another thing that we've done this last year, I feel like was one of the first time, because I, I am gluten-free, my whole family eats that way, um, which nobody complains. There's, there's plenty of food to eat. So one thing that we did when we had a, an abundance of zucchini is we just used it like you would noodles, and we made lasagna. I had not done that before, but just layered zucchini and um, sauce and cheese. And if you have other things, you know, you can, you can, uh, when I do lasagna, I really like to saute my vegetables ahead of time. So if I'm going to use mushrooms or broccoli or onions or whatever, I like to saute them a little bit ahead of time and then just put them in, put your cheese in. If you have tofu, that makes a wonderful lasagna. And we had very good feedback from that this summer. Of course, this is, I mean, that's a, that's a huge bowl, this big. I have a big clay bowl, and it is full of vegetables. So that's a stir fry, and you can see, and everything in that bowl came from the farm. And it's got onions and carrots and red cabbage and broccoli, and it looks like there's probably some fennel and... Yeah, there might be some tofu. That didn't come from the farm. <laughs> we, don't, we don't do, well, we, we do grow some soybeans, but not too many. So, you know, you can eat that on rice or you can eat it on noodles or, you know, there's lots of fancy names. My, my sidekick is Brianna Beckner. She's hiding out in the back. She's my, um, she helps me in, in my gluten-free bakery. And she and I do a lot of cooking together. And she's taken me to some new levels and new heights of, she loves Asian food. And so she's always making, she makes more fancy food than I do. I'm pretty much, what do we have? Quick, do it quick. And I'd rather be in the garden. All right, so another, and on to another idea. Pizza. <laughs> Pizza used to be something that was had at our home on birthdays. Like I just did not have the bandwidth for pizza. And, but since we started the gluten-free bakery and we actually make pizza crust, I often have pizza um, crusts come back from market and we'll have a pizza day. One pizza, that's one for, you know, I just have, okay, I'm feeding seven people. I gotta have seven of those and we, pile them. This one, this pizza is not a very good representation. This is one that we've done more recently and we haven't had as many vegetables. But in the summer, I kid you not, we might have this many vegetables on top. 
and it's eggplant and zucchini and onions and peppers and spinach and we saute because we're putting it on a crust that's pre-cooked we saute our vegetables first pile them on and we we use um i mean we do make our own tomato sauce uh but you know just that and a cheese i'm going to give you the cheese recipe that we use does that not look like pretty good cheese that cheese is cheese we made and we found a good recipe for it and it makes a great pizza sometimes if i have it i will sprinkle a you know one of the manufactured cheeses on top but it can you know you can just get people to eat a lot of a lot of veggies now if they were making their own pizza they might not choose to put so many veggies on but i make them and i make them the way i know they're going to be good for them so lots of cheese covers a lot of <laughs> vegetables and people are happy right it's all about what surrounds the vegetables whether that's a good dressing or a good cheese or a good crust people will eat it so one that i forgot to add is pot pie I mean, you can put any vegetable in a pot pie. Don't think it just has to be peas and potatoes. No, you can put any vegetable in a pot pie. And you put a crust on it, and at least for my family, it was like, oh, wow, we're having pot pie today. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes, I put those things in it that I know aren't your favorite. But they don't even notice them. You know, you have a nice, nice gravy on it and nice crust on top. People will eat it, and they will enjoy it. Here's one that you may not have thought of. Man, I'm just cruising through this, so I hope you all have some questions. Um, I actually sort of learned this from my brother-in-law, Edwin, who just did the class ahead of me. Um, in my mind, tofu was always about just tofu, nothing else. But um, we, we eat tofu with all manner of vegetables and the best i've found is zucchini zucchini and so what i do is i i cook the tofu if i'm going to do zucchini um, and onions i will usually put them in and let them cook a little bit first and then i i crumble the tofu put it in let it cook with the seasonings i'm pretty simple i when i cook tofu i just use salt turmeric maybe onion powder if you get the right amount of salt, everything tastes good. That's, that's what I've noticed. So, and then I just put the, the, I shred fine. When I cook greens, I shred them fine. I learned that from the people in Africa. I'd never eaten greens before we lived in Kenya. And they would roll them up kind of like a cigar and they would shred them. And so I have forever after cooked my greens that way. And so no matter how I'm cooking greens, I shred them fine and they just mix better in everything. So in the end, you've got a lovely, nutritious dish because you've got your soy and you've got your vegetables and you're good to go. And when you do it with your brassicas and shred them like 15 to 20 minutes ahead of time of cooking, it really increases the cancer-fighting chemicals. Okay, appreciate that tip. So. It, the, the comment was made that when you shred them 15 to 20 minutes ahead of time, the brassicas, the cabbage family, that would be kale, collards, cabbage, 
that the cancer-fighting properties are enhanced. So good tip. Very good tip. Thank you. All right, so that's tofu. On to pasta. Now, at my house, pasta is not something we eat a lot, but this is a favorite way to have pasta. And I can't even see everything I have in this, but I'm, I'm just based on... So this was before I put a dressing on it. And because it has sesame seeds, it has... Um, the carrots and the broccoli would have been steamed, but it has red pepper and onion and tofu. I'm, I guess it does have some tofu. And then the, the scallions. And then we put a peanut sauce on it. Delicious. I mean, it's so simple. But I'm going to just go back to, at the beginning, we talked about efficiency. For me personally, part of my efficiency is knowing what I'm going to have for lunch that day. Having a plan. Have any of you, are any of you familiar with Paprika, the recipe app? Are you really, so in that recipe app, you have the ability to create menus. And you can create a menu, and I've even gone through, and some of these just concepts, I put them in, and then when I create a menu, I can, you know, I can pull my recipe straight out of it. It'll, it'll create a menu, and it will create a shopping list. It will keep track of what I have in my pantry. I don't usually probably have it that well organized, so I get a shopping list, and I'm more like, oh, I have that, 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 I don't need. But um, that has been a game changer for me. And this summer has been the first time that we've even made any efforts to implement something like that, but because I am not often, I'm, sometimes I'm just not there when lunch needs to be fixed. So the interns are on to help me with meals, and they can see, oh, we're having this for today. They can open the iPad, they can see the recipe, they can see what needs to be done. So for me, that has been huge, because I used to come to the kitchen like, oh, okay, what are we gonna have for lunch today? And characteristically late to think about it. Oh, too late to do beans. Although another, um, it's not, yeah, I really should have. My, my right arm in the kitchen is the Instapot. How many have an Instapot? I have two. One of them went bad and I'm gonna get another one. I mean, they have made my life so much simpler. I can put rice in one or quinoa in one. I can put beans in the other one. You can put vegetables in them. Potatoes cook in five minutes. Of, pressure you know they just come up pardon yeah lentils 15 minutes I mean it's so it's a game changer for efficiency so um, yeah an instapot is an invaluable friend in the in the summer months D did you have a question or a comment for me this would almost be a one dish meal if we had enough protein in it if i had so i might throw some beans in it as well but i would also it has a little tofu but i would probably also with that have a green salad we eat salad every day that i mean i that's the only way we can get in the fresh I'm, I'm talking about a, a lettuce salad almost every day but this is the other thing that we're doing a lot of I mean, we have been farming for 
20 years and I have never been in the habit of doing green smoothies. And it has been, so last season, I was trying to figure out how can I get more nutrition? Now I don't put all those things in everyone. Those are just ideas. And, and I'll tell you more about them. So I, I was gonna make green smoothies for our market team going. It's hard to get enough food for them to feel satisfied. Um, so I had the idea, well, I'm gonna do green smoothies, but I also kind of know the dynamics of the people's taste buds, and I'm thinking, I don't think I can, I'm gonna have to really make it good for them to like it. So I mean, I put, I put kale and I made it with milk. I don't always make it with milk, but when I was trying to kind of win their taste buds, you gotta, you gotta do it right to win the taste buds. So I, I put kale and I did peanut butter, and I did a little bit of lemon. I'm sure I had cucumber and, um, uh, did I say peanut butter? No. Yes. And a banana. And I put a banana in it. And I mean to tell you, the reports I got back about the smoothie, that was the best green smoothie. And forever after, almost every week, I have made them a green smoothie. And now it's like anything will do. Now we've had an abundant, abundant harvest of ginger. Ginger makes wonderful green smoothie, you know? And, and sometimes, sometimes I make it and it's, it's a one of those days, ah, oh, this is an amazing green smoothie. And other days it's just tolerable, you know? You don't always get it right. Cause I don't have, I don't always have the same thing to work with. And so I, you know, I'm gonna say that kale and spinach make really good green smoothies. And the third one that in my mind is the king, but you probably won't have it, is broccoli microgreens. They make the most amazing green smoothie. I, you know, at one, one time Caleb had an abundant, Caleb is our youngest, he's, he's still at home with us and he grows all the microgreens for our farm. And he had an abundance of broccoli and I had nothing else. I thought, boy, I don't know how this is gonna be because they're a little bit, they're a little bit sharp, um, but I, I made it and it was very palatable. So the things that I really try to put in it every time, I do use ice to, to make it cold. At first I was making them too thick, I think. And when I made them a little thinner, they became a little more palatable. So um, in the season of cucumbers, cucumbers are wonderful. Um, but I, I'm pretty much a person who, who uses what we grow on the farm and for when it comes to produce, I don't buy a lot of produce that's not in season. So um, this one you can see carrots in, but I don't always do carrots, um, especially in the summer. We don't really grow a lot of carrots. But right now I'm always using ginger, lemon, like a half a lemon, and I always use flax and chia. I just feel like they're super foods, they're super nutritious. I put in a tablespoon or two of each one, and they also give it a nicer consistency because it makes it a little thicker. So if your children don't like it, you just start with a small amount and, and then you just build up. Or I mean, it's, sometimes it's not just children that don't like it. But I'll, I'll give you an example, arugula. How many of you like it? I mean, I love it. Don't give it to me plain. I love it in salad. I don't like to just eat it in the field. It's very sharp. In the winter months though, it's very mild and delicious but my children didn't like it. It wasn't something they had grown up with when we started growing it. So again, I shredded it. I just would shred it fine and just slip it into the salad, 
Nobody would complain. They knew it wouldn't help. Got to eat it anyway. <laughs> but slowly, I mean, I made, an, I made an all arugula salad one time, because that's all I had. So I thought, okay, I got to make this good. So I did arugula, and I'm sure I had carrots. I probably grated carrots and maybe some red onion. I don't remember what else I had. But then I put on it a mayonnaise kind of ranch dressing. I mean, it was eaten up like it was the best of the best. I was just, do you know what's in that salad? <laughs> so it's all kind of about what you put on it that helps it to be more palatable. All right, any questions about green smoothies? How many do green smoothies? Not many. They are so nutritious. I mean, we should, we should be doing them more. So do I grind the flax and chia before? I put the flax and the chia in the blender whole. So they grind as much as, you know. I've never noticed whole flax. Chia is hard to grind. It, and, and the expert says it doesn't need to be ground. She's really the expert that should be here more than me. I am not an expert in any of these things, but I've done a lot of cooking, so I'm just here to share what I do. Oh, well, okay, so that's a question we'll have to address maybe afterwards. But we have been growing ginger for, um, for a, a couple of years, and we had an outstanding ginger harvest this year. But we didn't store it properly, so we had an outstanding loss. Uh, we really, it's, yeah, it, it was really good. So but just back, I want to go back to this, so about how much ginger. So I would start with a small amount now. My family likes it, and I use, you know, a big, at least two thumbs. You know, it's a, it's a pretty good-sized chunk. Um, so, all right, so I'm going to just end up, and we're going to end early, looks like. Well, not, maybe not too much. I'm going to give you just three. I think I have three recipes. Even as I've done this, I've thought of some recipes I wished I had given, but... Um, they're simple. Only one of them is really a, a full recipe, and that's bruschetta. How many of you make bruschetta in the summer? Is that, I mean, it is, if you, the key to good bruschetta is making it the day ahead. It, if it sits overnight, the flavors just really come together, and it's very nice. Um, so for, you know, for anybody who doesn't know about bruschetta, you eat it on toast, ideally a baguette kind of toast that's um, a thicker. So you just slice it. Some people put olive oil on the bread and toast it. I don't. I just toast it plain. If I'm, I'd prefer the olive oil in the, in the recipe itself. And I'm going to say really, I... I seem to have lost my old faithful standard recipe. <laughs> I looked and looked and looked for it before this trip, and I was quite beside myself that I couldn't find it. But I found this one online, which I think looks very similar to the recipe that I've had. This recipe actually called for five tablespoons of olive oil. I feel like my recipe might have called for four tablespoons, but I'm not positive. But I put two because I know that that's not too much and it's not too little. I think two tablespoons would be a minimum. 
but the olive oil just gives it such a nice taste and you got to have fresh basil it's not the same without fresh basil so that's why it's a summer thing you know at farmers market we sell you know we would put our tomatoes next to our basil and right there a recipe for bruschetta and i'm telling you you can sell it in great and one you know one thing that i would also say is it's best made with paste tomatoes but because we don't grow a lot of paste tomatoes um, i use a colander so i chop them and then i put them in a colander so if i was going to make this recipe i would probably use a pound and a half of tomatoes i would chop them and i would drain out the juice you can keep it collect it and use it elsewhere if you if you're better at that than i am <laughs> I keep them and then I end up tossing them because I don't use them. But um, so that's bruschetta, a, definitely a summer favorite at Bountiful Blessings Farm. And this is a farm cheese. And I'm gonna, I, I did my best to sort of turn it into a recipe, but I'm gonna tell you the ins and outs of it. It's the most versatile cheese. And if you, if you don't reduce the oil and you don't reduce the yeast flakes, it's an, you'll, you'll make any cheese lover happy with it. It's an incredible nacho cheese kind of thing. But I have made it and I have reduced the oil and I have reduced the yeast flakes. Depends on what I'm using it for. But I don't ever measure anything on this recipe. So I'm gonna tell you what, I have a four cup glass measuring cup. And I fill that with potatoes. And not to the top, but I fill it with potatoes, onion, and red pepper. When I don't have red pepper, like this time of year, I fill it with tomatoes, I mean, with potatoes and onion, and I use a can of my own tomatoes, not, you know, a small amount, maybe half a cup to a cup of tomatoes, or I use a can of Rotel. Are you, any of you familiar with Rotel? It's just tomatoes and onions and green chilies, I think. To me, it's one of the more simple, I can read and understand every ingredient on it. Um, so you can use a can of Rotel and lessen the water a little bit. Oh, it is delicious on haystacks. So this is just sort of a base recipe, but I, I, I those four cups, I cook, them the, I, the four cups of vegetables i cook them and then i drain the water off usually i don't use that same water just because i don't like to put really hot water in my blender but you can i've done it both ways you just want the equivalent of about two cups of liquid whether that's from the can of rotel or um, and you just have to play with it so i blend i put everything in the blender after it's been cooked and i and i blend it up and it's delicious for anything you can put it on noodles make macaroni and cheese you can use it on the pizza use it for lasagna you can use it for nachos it's just a a favorite of our family it's just a can that you buy i mean we buy it in tennessee i would assume are there any can oh she's a cal yeah it has some seasonings. Yes. You find it in the Spanish yes. section. Yes. And, and green chilies. Green chilies, it gives it a bite. Yeah. I usually get the original one that doesn't have much bite, but it also comes in hot and, you know, 
but it gives it the color you're looking for. So you gotta get that color someplace. I've, in the past, I've done cheeses with, with carrots. I don't really like carrot for, it doesn't give any flavor. It gives some color, but it doesn't really give you the flavor you're looking for. So red peppers are my favorite, but when I don't have red peppers, then I fall back onto a can of Rattel or just, um, if I have fresh tomatoes, I've done it with fresh tomatoes. It's very versatile. You just have to play with it. It's almost like, there's nothing to, don't put all the water in at the beginning so that it might, you know, you might want it a little thicker or a little thinner. Um, it's a winner. Oh, does it not say salt? Thank you for my oversight. Yes, it has salt in it. It has one tablespoon of salt. One tablespoon of salt. How did I forget that? Because <laughs> I was just trying to come up with it from my head. So is it the potatoes that makes it thick? Yes, the potatoes make it thick. So you want, a, I'm gonna say at least three cups of potatoes. And, but you don't even have to, you don't even have to peel them. You can, it just depends on the quality of your potatoes. You can just cut them in quarters and go with it. Yes. In our house we use a lot of grains or even oatmeal sometimes. Yes. Yes. You can use oatmeal. Um, it's just going to give you a totally different taste. The potatoes give it a very cheesy, but between the potatoes and the oil and the yeast, you have a very creamy, cheesy kind of. Okay, so the next one is also a cheese. You're gonna think, wow, they're really into cheese. No, it's not that we're really into cheese, it's that these are things that we have found that are simple and they make lots of things delicious. This one has no, no oil. Yeah, because you're using the nuts for your, for your oil. Um, I say four to eight tablespoons. The original recipe called for eight tablespoons, and it is so hard. It is, it's harder than what we want for what we use it for. Now, we might try it sometime to make a grilled cheese sandwich. Notice it's called melty stretchy. So it's, you know, it would make a great open face grilled something in the oven, but we mainly use it for pizza, and that's why I wanted to give it to you. So. We have found when you, you know, you put the, the, the tomato sauce on the crust, we use the half tablespoon, and sometimes we even feel like that's a little bit too much, depends on how long it's, but we put our cheese like in a, a Ziploc bag, cut off the corner, do you know that trick? And squeeze it out, you know, and we put it on the tomato sauce, then we put all the vegetables on, and then we put it on top as well. So it's just got the flavor, top and bottom, and it's a, it's a winner. It's a winner cheese. I found the recipe online, and we've adapted it a little bit and made it our own. I cut back on tapioca because it's too thick to spread the way we want it to when we do pizza. I think, Brianna, is that right? Four tablespoons, or was that too much? Uh, we even cut it down to a fourth of what it was. Okay, so we've played, but I think when we cut it down to a fourth, we felt like it was too thin. So I'm just gonna say, the only reason you use four tablespoons is if you want it really thick. But if you want it more runny, then you're gonna 
you know, the, obviously it's the tapioca that's thickening it. So you want to, you know, you want to just alter that based on how thick you want it. Cornstarch would not work for this recipe. I mean, you could try it. It's going to give you a totally different, it's not going to give you that stretchy kind of, but you know, if you don't have, if you don't have corn, if you don't have tapioca, obviously you could try it with cornstarch and it might work fine for pizza. But if you're trying to make like a grilled cheese sandwich or something, which I don't ever use it, we just, we, we have lots of tapioca in our house because of the bakery, and so we, we use a lot of tapioca. Ah, not a lot, but I have it, and it's, it, it works well for this recipe. So just one thing on this. I, I said in another class I did, I'm not a big into directions. I'm assuming that you know the basics about cooking. So you don't need the, the list of directions that they give online. So pretty much you just put everything in the blender, you blend it, you put it in a pan, but you want to stir. You don't, you can't, it's not a cheese that you can leave because that tapioca, when it sets, it's gonna be a glob. So you want to be, and it happens pretty quick. So, you know, as you're first getting it going, you might not have to be standing stirring it constantly, but you have to be very in tune with what's going on with it. Otherwise it will just, and then it's hard to kind of get it to, yeah, mix. All right, so that's, that's really the end for me. This last picture, bounty. So, you know, when you're, if you're marketing, you want to put your baguettes next to your tomatoes, and the basil is on the other side of the baguettes, and then you give a bruschetta recipe, and you're going to sell it. <laughs> okay. You mentioned you use um, peanut sauce. Yes. Oh, so the question is about peanut sauce. Brianna, why don't you join me for this question? Come on. She's my peanut sauce gal. I'm just going to tell you whenever we need I think I did make peanut sauce recently. I felt quite accomplished with myself. But Brianna loves peanut sauce, and she has, she has mastered peanut sauce. So this is Brianna, my right arm. Um, so for peanut sauce, I do the same kind of cooking that Aunt Pam does, not always following recipes, but like the principle behind it is it's just peanut butter, soy sauce, Lemon juice or Bragg's, we use Bragg's. Or Bragg's. Uh, lemon juice, uh, garlic, ginger, and a little bit of water, and maybe a little bit of cayenne if you want a little spice to it, and then you just mix it all up. And I can't give exact proportions. There's lots of recipes online you can look them up. Mm -hmm. uh, that would be probably the best way to go about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. That's that's Brianna's. <laughs> she has one speed. It's fast. I, I, as I gave this presentation, I was thinking, I'm picking up on your speed. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So give it slow. Can you add water to your peanut sauce to thin it Yeah. She. Yes. 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 Mm -hmm. Use so give those ingredients again slowly. Okay. Why don't you try to give them in? I mean, I know you use more Bragg's or soy sauce. That's okay. the that's the bulk of it, and then you add water in. Yeah. So um, I'd probably say the most is peanut butter, and then water, and then soy sauce. Forgot I was doing this slow. Ginger. Ginger, um, garlic, um, and cayenne, okay. and lemon, lemon juice. But it doesn't have more peanut butter than soy sauce. It does have more peanut butter. It does. When I make it, it does not have more peanut butter than soy sauce. <laughs> um, one trick I learned recently. You don't need salt because you've got all that Bragg's and that soy sauce. 
Whichever you use. One trick I've played around with uh, to make the peanut butter go farther is just adding more water and maybe some cornstarch to be the thickness instead of just the peanut butter. Mm -hmm. And then you can make it go a little farther. Yep. There we go. And not use quite as much peanut butter. <laughs> Uh, she just a little bit of cayenne if you want it to have I mean the ginger gives it a little bit of I mean it just depends on what you're using it for but yeah at our house we really like peanut sauce <laughs> have you made spaghetti um, zucchini spaghetti um, I have not I don't have a spiralizer if yeah yes yeah so what I'd like to do I'd like to just end with a prayer and, and we can continue talking and discussing but um, is it time? I mean, one minute ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. So let's have a word of prayer, and then we can talk and discuss more. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the beautiful things that you've given us to work with in the garden. Uh, they're not only beautiful, but they're nutritious. And I just thank you for the things that you've taught me in the kitchen. And I pray for each one as they... Um, use the bounty that they get from their gardens that you would um, give them ideas and inspiration um, we could talk all day about different things that we've done and we know all of them are inspired by you and we thank you bless us the rest of this day as we draw near to the sabbath hours in jesus name amen this media was brought to you by audioverse a website dedicated to spreading god's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.